decades ago uh, would have rarely been the subject of conversation. I certainly can imagine that my grandparents never attended uh, a conference or even a sermon that had any reference to the, quote, gay Christian movement. And yet, those of you who may have uh, been keeping track of the news even this day may have read the same article that I read. As you know, ever since the Supreme Court struck down the Defense of Marriage Act, there has been a consistent um, overturning of every voter-established definition of marriage as between a man and a woman in the various states in which this has taken place. Kentucky, I believe, was yesterday. And if you read the comments from the judge, you know that it is becoming established thought in a large portion of our society that to believe what every president of the United States up until the current president believed, what every founder of the United States believed, what every senator of the United States up until the past 10 years, in regards to human sexuality and marriage, to believe that is to be guilty not only of bias, not only of prejudice, but of bigotry and discrimination. That to even discuss the issue is now being identified as hatred and a basis for legal action. Well, God bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. And that is the great Dr. James White, a uh, reformed theologian, a tremendous scholar and in his own rights and uh, touching this topic of uh, the gay Christian movement in America and within the church, uh, highly insightful. I highly recommend a lot of his writings um, on scripture and interpretation of scripture and church history, uh, an amazing man of God. And so he, he hit some very key points here where, where you know, the, the, the culture and even the church is acting like they're discovering something new with this with this same-sex attraction and embracing and throwing Christianity on top of it. Listen, the, they, they haven't discovered something new. They've forgotten biblical truth. And this is, this is what is so um, disheartening, is when they ran completely away from what we know is true. It's not like they've progressed into something new or this is something new and, and awe-inspiring. No, it's just that they forgot the awe-inspiring plan and will of God for man and woman. And they allow passions to come in and emotions and feelings, which, which we all know that the, old, that the old sages of philosophy says, how do you temper passions with truth? What is the truth? And so because they've done, they've done such harm to objective truth, everybody has their own narratives and they, they, they begin to just make up their own stories about and they live by the personal experiences and they they have their own they have their own agendas behind it and uh, they've gone further and further away from biblical truth and here we are today again where Dr. James White says hey back he knows when I believe he's my age uh, I'm 58 now I, I know my parents didn't go to these 
seminars to learn about this type, this gay Christian that all of a sudden sprung up. Oh yeah, it all of a sudden sprung up. Hmm. It all of a sudden just came out of nowhere. You know, the LGBTQ within the church, that just came out from nowhere. No, it's been coming. It's been coming through the political system now. It's it's in the educational system now. It's, you know, it's in the media now. You can't, you can't turn on a single TV show without it. You can't buy even, you can't even buy uh, furniture on TV. You can't, you can't do anything through the media without being jammed up with, with the propaganda of the LGBTQ homosexual movement. Why? Because it is a it is an abomination to God. And if you if you stand flat-footed on the scriptures, if you read God's word and you go into God's word and come out of God's word with the biblical truth, you you've got the story correct. You've got the scriptures correct. But how they apply them now and how they twist and turn them. Remember what we called interpolation. Okay, you have a lot of guys that are scholars in school. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into a few of those scholars uh, today, or another scholar today um, that uh, that did some writing regarding how to interpolate. Okay, how to interpolate? Remember what interpolation is. Interpolation is to take a scripture, plagiarize it, take out whatever you want, put in what you want to put in, and you just interpolated. You moved around the thought. You moved around the truth where it's no longer what the what the writer intended it to say or to mean. You put your own thought in there. You rewrote it pretty much. The main truth is sabotaged in it. So that's interpolation. Okay, and, and you're gonna find all this interpolation and then you're gonna find a lot of eisegesis. Eisegesis, I think this is what the scripture says, instead of actually going into the text and finding out what the scripture really does say regarding this. So when we look at Leviticus chapter 18, 20 through 23, I just, again, we're going to state that this is the text. Okay, this is text. This is one that, that man, the left hate this. You know, they, they struggle with this. They, you know, they, they try to fight you on all this um, on the scriptures, like it's no, it's it's the Old Testament. It doesn't mean anything. Well, I'll go to the old podcasts that I just did, and and about the law of God and how it uh, and how it carries through from the Old Testament to the New. How it applies. How how Paul uses sexual immorality to flee from sexual immorality. What is that? It's all it's all a carryover from the laws of God that that support the justice of God and the character of God regarding sin. It's in the New Testament, flee sexual uh, sexual uh, sins or immorality. The Greek word pornos. That covers abroad. I don't I don't have time to get into all that. I I uh, litigate all that again, but I lit I did that yesterday. So go into yesterday's lesson and listen to uh, God and the law or the law of God and the homosexual and. Today we're going to be t discussing, like I said, God is, is God fair and just? How does God look at things? So when you look at Leviticus chapter 18, what you're going to, what you're going to hear is, is you're going to have something that is what we would see naturally in the church and something that you would see not in church circles. Okay, watch this. It says, moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife. Okay, that's adultery. Okay, to defile yourself with her, and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Moloch. That is what? That is the abortion. That's the sacrificing of children. Okay? 
the sacrifice of the children. That's what Moloch would do. They would sacrifice. God says, don't do that. Now, the, the important thing about Leviticus was that Leviticus is basically God's commands on civilization and God's commands on how to run the church and how priests should behave. The priesthood should should conduct its business. So when you look at it, it says, don't, don't pass through the fire mullet, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie a male as with the as with a woman. It is an abomination. Okay, you can't mess that up, or can you? Watch this. Nor shall you mate with an animal. Now, now, you, do you get do you get how how he's inbounds within the construct of the church? Okay, we understand. Here's the same sex same sex attraction issue being dealt with, and then he throws a curve. Because this is parallel thinking. He says, he equates the bestiality with same sex. Watch, watch this. It's very subtle, but it's there. It's parallel thinking. He says, if, if, if don't lie with a, don't lie with another man as with a woman. Okay? That's very clear. Okay? It is an abomination. Nor shall you mate with an animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It's perversion. It's a destructive. It's a destructive act. So when you start looking at at this scripture here, which is foundational to the destruction and the protection of marriage, the destruction of the same-sex issues and strange flesh issues, spoken in Romans chapter one, same same context. What you begin to see is that. That God calls it perversion, but he also protects marriage. Don't do these things, and that protects marriage. This is the seventh commandment being reinforced once again. Thou shalt not commit adultery. What is adultery? If you take a pure glass of water and you add anything to it, you adulterated the water. So what God is saying is don't add another man or an animal. Or if you're a woman, don't add another woman. Don't add another... Don't add anything to what I'm doing or else it's adulterated. It's incorrect now. You added something to it. And so he says, don't do, don't sleep, don't go with the animals. What? How is, why is that even mentioned? Because God knows that man is a transgressor. He always steps over the line. He always, he always walks beyond what he's told. This is, this is important to lock down. Because in parallel thinking, God parallels the thought of same-sex marriage or same-sex relationship. And he puts bestiality in it also. Why? Because it's perversion. And I know, and I know they, don't want, they don't want to face that fact. But it's right here. And you, just can't make, you just can't make their ideology up. On how they try to skirt the issues. See, so in this line of thinking of Scripture, God does an amazing, an amazing checkmate on how He puts same-sex marriage or same-sex attraction. Don't lie with the, another man as with a woman, right? And then he goes right into bestiology and he puts them together. So you can parallel how God views them as perversion.
This is, this is something that we must wrap our minds around when we start saying, is God just and is God fair? Why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Right here. Stay in the context. Stay in it. See, it's not just good enough anymore to read uh, Leviticus chapter 18 and say, don't, don't sleep, don't lie down with another man as with a woman and stop there. No, read the full context of it. What's he really saying? He's paralleling. He's got, he's got even par bestiality and this strange flesh. Paul calls it strange flesh in uh, Romans chapter 1. Women giving themselves up to strange flesh. I mean, you can't make it up. Stay in the script. It's all there. And so when you start looking at this LGBTQ movement within the church, they don't, they don't get in here. They skirt around this. They, 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 like, to, they like to say, well, you know, um, you guys are hypocrites because you guys eat, you guys eat um, shellfish. And you guys, and that's a whole, well, I'll get into how to argue that later. But, but when you stay in the text like this, just to see how is God just and fair. Well, if you look at Hebrews chapter 2, 2, listen to what he says. Watch this. He says, for if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and every disobedience received a just reward. So what was the just reward for homosexuality? and the perversions of the flesh. What was the just reward? Well, look at Sodom and Gomorrah. This scripture is right here. That the penalty equaled the sin. I'll say that again. The penalty equaled the sin. For if the word spoken by angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and every disobedience received a just reward. You're going to... Listen... You're gonna you're gonna reap what you sow, right? We get that. We only get that in the good sense, right? But it is talking about transgressions. What's a transgressions? It's parabasis. It's the Greek word. It means breaking. It means the breaking or the violating, the disregarding of things. You know, when somebody just does, you tell them no, and they just do it. They're transgressing on you. Okay, listen to this definition um, of over metaphor of disregarding, of violating the Mosaic law, breaching of a definite, uh, promulgated, ratified law to create transgressions. That sins might take on the character of transgressions and there, thereby the consciousness of sin be intensified and the desire for redemption be aroused. So we, again, we begin to see how when you transgress, your desire to be forgiven is also stirred up. You know within yourself that you did wrong. It's part of transgression. I'm on the wrong side of this. I overstepped my boundaries. You have a moral compass that's given to you by God that knows that the law of God has been violated. That's a transgressor. We transgress about what we know is true. And then it says disobedience. Parabeno. That's another Greek word that that means to 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 Go along with your carnality and step in with your feet. In other words, you, 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 actually, you actually take the action. You actually move into it. You walk. It has to do with walking into disobedience. It's a total disregard of truth. You're walking in it. Beno means feet. Pada means alongside with. 
And so when you and I, we look at, at how we walk, and I like what that word just, you're going to get a just reward. Endicos, endicos. What is dicos? Endicos is, is where you get the word righteousness. Endicos, the right, equitable. What is well deserved for that sin? Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at the destruction that took place there. That was just. Remember when Abraham in Genesis, in, in Genesis, when Abraham was trying to save, save Lot. What did he say? If there's if there's fifty, if there's for, God knew there wasn't. He sent two angels down there. He saw this, and he just went, "We're out of here. Let's let let's take care of that place." Why? Because the sin was going to receive. It's just reward. Now that's a hard that's a hard pill for people to swallow. Well, well, you know, God would never send somebody to hell. Okay. Keep believing the way you want to believe. That a loving God would not send people to hell. A loving God would not destroy. A loving God would not be cruel. A loving God, you know, anything that's cruel is is out of is off limits. You know. I'll tell you how bad, I'll tell you how bad, you know, because I, I remember, I remember in the late or the mid 80s, late 80s, early 90s, they were coming out with this unisex clothes and I, and it just struck me wrong that, you know, that I would wear my wife's clothes or, or that we were, uni no, we, we ain't doing that. You have your stuff, I got my stuff. We got things made for men because men have different body parts than women. And now we ain't doing that. Well, they had this unisex. They began to condition us for something that the law of God was pretty specific. Leviticus 20.13. This is, this is how far God goes. Watch this. He says, he says this, If a man lies with a male as he is with a woman, both of them will be committed, have committed an abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Okay? Now watch Deuteronomy 22.5. Okay? Keep that in mind. This is how God views this. It's not how... This is a biblical perspective. This is what God looks at this. Deuteronomy 22.5. Watch at this. this. This is how intent God is. To make sure that there's a distinction. I touched that yesterday. That Leviticus gives a distinction. That God makes sure that there was a distinction between man and woman. He says this. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man. Nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to... So this is the transgender stuff. This is all that ideology that comes... Listen, it's, it's here. It's nothing new. We just forgot it. And the church just abandons it. This is, this is biblical. It's right here. Talked about how, how the Mosaic Law or the laws of God, when it comes to when it comes to to uh, homosexuality, LGBTQ, and 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 these same-sex attraction sins. How there's not an amendment to them in the ceremonial law. Do you know that in in Israel that this sin was punishable by death? In Israel. In ancient Israel, so we we have to we have to come to an agreement on God's word when it comes to this. 
then how does God view homosexuality? He views it as what? Man with a man is like a man with an animal. A woman with an animal. That's strange, isn't it? But it's parallel thinking. Why didn't God put it in the same context? So that you, you and I can get a picture of what that looks like. Giving up to strange flesh. Passions. Pathos. Okay? We've got, we've, we've, got to, we've got to understand this. So when they start staying, when they start getting into, well, you know, love is the greatest emotion. Okay, well, okay, let's talk about that. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay? Because no excuse amendment or circumstantial consideration mitigated the prohibition of punishment of homosexuality. The instructions for the severe sanction against it in Israel were simple and direct. Under no circumstances could homosexuality be tolerated as moral and acceptable. Under no circumstances. I mean, this is right here. It says, therefore, we are compelled to say that God's law against homosexuality cannot be deprived of its force. It is not an objectable double standard. It's not arbitrary and inconsequential cannot be taken as a temporary ceremonial law and ought not to be reduced to circumstantial sins associated with other social implications. So when you start putting this together, this is how serious God is about it. And we just allow the other messages to come on in and do whatever it wants. We don't have no answers for it. There's a one pop, pop uh, artist, um, Christian worship I believe her name is Daigle or Cagle or very popular. And she was on the, the, she was on Alan DeGeneres show and Alan DeGeneres asked her a very important question. Well, you're very popular and you, you know, what's your view on homosexuality? Oh, I have a lot of gay friends. That wasn't the question. Oh, well, uh, you have to ask my pastor. He's the, he's the, he's the, uh, expert on this. What? Ask your pastor? You, what are you under a rock? This is, what, this is what is very, very disturbing. It's when we're asked the question, we won't answer. On the biggest stages. They get on Oprah, they compromise. They get on, they get on Larry King, they compromise. They get on, they get on all these places, they, get, they compromise. They don't just come out and say, because God said so. It's an abomination, always has been an abomination to God. I don't care if the culture accepts it. They have to come before God. And they... Transformation, sanctification, holiness, all those processes. There's redemption. Paul writes about that 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11. He says, hey, some of you were like that, but you were washed and cleansed. See, that's one of the things about the about if you listen to Matthew Bynes and Justin Lee and, and, and these other, um, uh, what they will, what we will call leading voices in this LGBTQ movement. Uh, they're so eloquent. There's no repentance. They never speak of repentance. They never speak of transformation. They never speak of washing of the word. They never speak of any type of redemptive work of Christ. They never speak of sin. Why? Because they're right. They were born this way. And if they were born this way, it's because God made them this way. Therefore, they need nothing. They denied the original sin. They deny the fact that man is born in sin. That's very dangerous to deny the, the original sin. That by one man's sin, all men 
become transgressors and that through Christ all come alive they, they deny all that so in in the book here's a, here's a, I'm going to give you an illustration here or or, or a portion of, of um, a reading that I've done and it's it's from uh, it's from uh, Michael L Brown's PhD's book dr. Michael dr. Michael Brown, he's an awesome man of God, and, and uh, from his book, uh, Can You Be Gay and, and a Christian? And he does a very great, what I would call, academic work for you. He does a lot of, I mean, just tremendous insight and pulling out the root causes of some of the thinking within the Main Street Church and also in, in Christianity today. It's not, it's not a secret. That the seminaries and the, we call them cemeteries. Now we know why, because of what they produced. Princeton, Harvard. Um, you know, my cousin went to Princeton. I know he's, you know, he's <laughs> he's redeemed from all that stuff. <laughs> but I mean, he went to these far liberal theolo liberal theologian uh, um, theological seminaries. You know, just because they call you doctor doesn't mean you you know all the right things. Watch what he says. The gay Christian argument, love is the, is the fulfillment of the law and does no harm to its neighbor. But the church teaching that homosexual practice is sin has done tremendous harm to, to many fine LGBTQ and therefore is not loving. If we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, then we must affirm LGBT community brothers and sisters okay this is important to wrap our minds around okay let, let's let's run through this love is the fulfillment of the law and does not and does no harm to its neighbor but the church teachings that homosexual practice of sin has done tremendous harm why it's not nice okay because uh to many fine lgbt many fine LGBT because again everybody's good you know, you heard Joe Olstein say, "Well, 99.9% .9 of all people are good." Okay, that's not original sin. That's not that abandons the God, and everybody's okay. Okay, he says then we must affirm the LGBT brothers and sisters. Justin Lee, listen, Justin Lee, okay, is the founder of the Gay Christian Network. In his important book Torn, he his book Torn, he shares his life story in painful, heartrending detail. One. His first book called God Boy, as a teenager, because of his devotion to Jesus, he was shocked to discover that he was not attracted to the opposite sex, as were all of his friends and peers. More shocking still was the discovery that he was attracted to the same sex. Okay? As he tells a story, in agony of heart and out of devotion to the Lord, he promised to be celibate for the rest of his life and that his heavenly father, that his heavenly father required. But was it? What did the scripture say? He gave himself to intense study and to revelate to relevant biblical passages in Genesis, Leviticus, Romans, and Corinthians. Again, those are those are natural. So guess what? He went into the text. Watch this. Wrestling with the word, wanting to find the truth, only to conclude that he was still not sure. Okay? This is one thing you can always go like you go to the scriptures, you may not like the answer. So he didn't like the answers that he saw. He wasn't sure. Can I trust the scriptures? 
because I feel this way. And the scriptures say this. Hmm. It's like many of this where, you know, many Christians struggle in the word of God. I feel this way. This is my circumstance. But the Bible says this. And then the light went on. Watch this. The light went on. He concluded that there was a higher principle, an undeniable principle based on which it would be perfectly right in God's sight for two gay men or two gay women to make a lifelong monogamous commitment to one another. In other words, to enter same-sex marriage. It was the law of love. You know, the golden rule, as stated by Jesus. So in everything, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. For this is the sum of the law, okay, and the prophets. Okay, that's Matthew 7, 12. Also, Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Or in other words, in the words of Paul, you'll... He puts the concepts of Romans 13, 8 through 10, and also Galatians 5 through 14. He writes this, let no, let, let no depth remain outstanding except continuing depth to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Whatever the commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So when you look at his eye, now this was the light turned on. What was the light turned on? Love. So if I just love my neighbor as I love myself, then guess what? Covetousness, don't steal. Theology by extrapolation. Pull all these things. He just runs right over that because he sums it all up with love. This, this, this mushy, this mushy emotion. It's amazing. It's called theology by extrapolation. Extrapolate the laws of God. Extrapolate, thou shalt not steal. The Ten Commandments. Extrapolate. That's the Eleventh Commandment mindset. That's not nice. It's not nice. It's oppressive. It's mean. Listen to what he says. Listen. With these standards in mind, it became much easier to interpret Scripture scriptures difficult passages consistently yes there were slaves in the bible times but doesn't self selfless agape love demand their freedom huh rules rules about rules about head coverings and other hair lengths had a purpose in paul's culture see first corinthians 11 but if they have no ultimate bearing on the on the commission to selfly, selflessly love god and our neighbors then, led by the Spirit, we can safely set them aside today. Lee then sought to apply these standards to the question of homosexuality, recognizing, of course, that there were many types of homosexual behaviors that were clearly selfish, driven by flesh and not by true love, including things like rape and prostitution and exploitation of children. He wrote, But suppose two people loved each other with all their hearts, and they wanted to commit themselves to each other in the sight of God. To love and honor and cherish, you know, the marriage vows, right? To, to selflessly serve and encourage one another. To serve God together. To be faithful to the rest of their lives. If they were opposite sexes, we could call the holy and beautiful and something to celebrate. But if we change one thing, the gender of one of those individuals... Why still keeping the same love and selflessness and commitment? Suddenly, 
Many Christians would call it abominable and condemn it to hell. <laughs> Do you see what he just did? He, he just did the old flipperoo. This is how they think. If two people love each other, it doesn't matter what you are. Two people. And if you think, and if you think traditionally, theologically, biblically, like you were taught, guess what? You, they're gonna you're condemned. So you can't think that way. Watch what he says. Okay. Cruel idiocy is his conclusion. Okay, because he can't reconcile this. He can't get biblical with this. The scriptures don't add up. Do you see what he did? He made it say something. He he had to twist you and twist the scriptures. Interpolate in order and isogate, isogesis this thing in order to make it say what he wanted it to say. Cruel idiocy. This is what it says. Is it then cruel idiocy to deny a gay person the right to love another person, especially if we do so in Jesus' name? Is this a matter of the church practicing hate thy neighbor rather than love thy neighbor? This is the thesis of Linda Patterson, a former heterosexual Christian, now a lesbian agnostic and a civil litigation attorney, who authored the book Hate Thy Neighbor, How the Bible is Misused and Condemns Homosexuality. Is she right? Jewish author, listen, Jewish author Dr. J. Michelson. Now, listen, these are all people who went to Bible school. These are all people who went high-level thinkers. Okay, these are these are the Dr. Fauci's. You know, wear two masks, five masks, ten masks. And then privately, oh, the masks don't work. Watch this. Jewish author Dr. J. Michelson, who's, who taught at both Boston University Law, Law and Harvard Divinity School, echoes the position of Justin Lee in his important book, God vs. Gay, The Religious Case for Equality. After adapting biblical language, after adapting biblical language from Genesis chapter 2 to argue that it is not good for a person to be alone. You see that? Extrapolation. They just extrapolate scripture. It's not good for, for anybody to be alone. So if you're lonely, you can do whatever you want. Guys, you can't make this stuff up. So when they get up there and say, well, I'm, I'm okay with people with homosexuality. Guys, we have, we have to take a biblical stance. To defend the gospel. Watch this. It's not good for people to be alone. Michelson quotes the words of Jesus himself, quoting from Leviticus 19:18, calling us to love thy neighbor as you love yourself. Matthew 22 and 39. Basing his arguments on Jesus' teaching, Michelson writes: One New Testament scholar has written that any interpretation of Scripture that hurts people, oppresses people, or exegetically respectable, or ex exegetically respectable this is crucial this is a crucial point if we approach the question of homosexuality as legal academic and hermeneutical enterprise we will get nowhere religiously in other words you got to set aside how the bible is interpreted and how you interpret scripture why because you cannot win them over you cannot win them over if you condemn them if the scriptures condemn them Maybe that's called repentance. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? All the argument 
All the arguments work, and the anti-gay ones are just as clever as the pro-gay. No. To be responsible member of a faith tradition, we must first open our hearts, allow them to be broken by the heartbreaking stories of gays who have suffered from exclusion, plague, self-loathing, and uplifting by inspiring stories of integration, love, and celebration. Let's see all this emotion. Love, integration, inspiring stories, it all appeals to the emotion. This is the evidence that we must admit in our deliberations, and if not immediately available, then we must seek it out. Any pretense of theological disposition that does not include in its procedures to long periods of listening is morally bankrupt and borders on blasphemous. So what he's saying is that if you don't, if, if God's scripture content, uh, condemns it, guess what? You can't preach it. You got to listen to people's experiences. You got to listen to people's stories. You got to listen to, remember I taught in yesterday's uh, podcast, Every voice must be heard. Every boy, voice must be listened to. Every voice. No. It's not what scripture says. My sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. See, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. We settle it here on this earth. So when you get into this extra biblical thinking that these people are trying to take you into regarding this, it was always condemned by God. It was it was punished, what we call a just reward. God knows how to give just rewards for transgressions. God's not unjust. He will give you the penalty to the crime. And it'll be just because he's a just God. And so when you start looking at, is God fair? Is it fair to do this? Because these feelings, all these feelings and passions. His word is steadfast. His perspectives have not changed. We have to have the courage to stand flat-footed on the scriptures and to defend the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, God bless you. Thank you for listening to Prophetic Whispers, and we will talk to you tomorrow. And uh, have a wonderful evening. God bless you. Bye-bye.